All roads lead to power. And on this show, we're going to break that idea down a little bit. What is power? Who has it? And how do you get it? I'm your host, Jeff Coulard. Welcome to the show. A realization that power without love is reckless and abusive, and that love without power is sentimental and anemic. Because the so-called real world of men and money and power comes merrily along on the fuel of fear and anger and frustration and craving and the worship of self. The really important kind of freedom involves attention and awareness and discipline. If people don't learn power, people don't wake up. If they don't wake up, they get left out. Okay, welcome to another episode of Powerful. My name is Jeff Coulard, and today's actually a solo show. Um, I've, I've been talking to guests every week since September, and I thought we'd take a little bit of a breather, have a shorter episode, answer any questions that you might have for me, um, and dig into uh, a really helpful framework that I've come up with over the past couple of years to help with behavior change, um, particularly getting unstuck when we find ourselves in this place where we're stuck with a behavior or we just seem to be stuck in some aspect of life. How do we go about getting unstuck and not just unstuck to then find ourselves stuck in something else, which often happens. I know I've been guilty of that before, where I make some changes in one area and then I find myself either, you know, newly stuck again or stuck somewhere else, um, but but lasting behavior change and sustainable behavior change. How do we think about that? And so I'm going to introduce you to a framework that I found to be really helpful and I use in a lot of my coaching practice and with different organizations and people who are trying to make changes happen. It, it works at a variety of different levels, it works at kind of the micro level as a human trying to make change happen in your own life. And it works also in relationship with other people and it works on teams and inside of organizations. And so I'll introduce you to so that those the fundamental principles, um, because one thing that I've noticed, maybe just a caveat um, before this conversation is that there's no shortage of advice on the internet for just about anything you can imagine, you know, different types of, you know, how to do this and how to do that and how to make change happen, you know, lots of nutrition and fitness and just life advice in general, there's no shortage of it, certainly on social media, but also just Google something and you'll get you'll get a billion hits really easily. And so I'm not going to give you like very concrete, do this if you want to make this type of change. And we're going to go up a level and we're going to talk about some principles to think about and a bit of a process to think about so that you can make change happen in your own life a little bit faster, you know, accelerate that curve a little bit and apply it, apply these principles uh, kind of across the board to wherever you think, uh, wherever you might want to make some change. And so that's the show tonight is we're going to talk about behavior change, how to get it started and how to make it stick more reliably. And as always, I love your comments and your questions and anything that uh, that you might want to uh, talk about. So this is an open show. It's a, even an ask me anything. If you've got questions about leadership or uh, behavior change or addiction or right, basically anything, you can ask me and we'll see if I have an answer or a thought around it. So I'm excited for tonight's show. Uh, I haven't done a solo show in a while. So uh, it's just me tonight for those who are just tuning in. And somebody says, yay, I finally caught the show. Um, glad i don't know who you are but i'm also glad that you caught the show glad you made it so um awesome let's get going so um so this is really what i call the four a's of making change and making change stick and and we'll, we'll break down each of these different components and i'll give you a few examples from my own life and again if you have questions um 
you feel free to just throw them into a comment box and, and hit comment and it'll show up and I can see them and respond to them. Um, so let's talk about these. Let's talk about uh, the first A and arguably probably the most important A in the model is awareness and not just a global awareness, you know, not just awareness that something is wrong in your life or something or that you're stuck. That's certainly important. But the type of awareness that I'm talking about that I find to be most helpful is two different types of awareness. So observations that are rooted in our actual behavior, rooted in the things that we're doing or not doing, not in our judgments or our evaluations or our perceptions of things that we're not doing. And so I'll give you a concrete example. Uh, Jeff, me, I didn't go for a run today, right? That's an observation, right? I did not put my running shoes on and I did not get out of the house and go for a run. That's a pure observation, right? A, a judgment or an evaluation might be, oh, I was really lazy today, right? Or I was really unmotivated today. Uh, those may or may not be true. Um, I may or may not have been lazy today. Um, but the reality is the observation is that I didn't go for a run. And that's actually all I need to know. And actually interpreting that as something other than just not going for a run isn't actually that helpful. Because I don't know about you, but you know it's easy to get down that rabbit hole of oh, I'm lazy or I'm not motivated, and we start to feel guilty about that, or we feel a little bit of shame for not going for our run today and not getting our, our exercise, and that can lead to other problematic behavior, right? So the observation is pretty pure, right? I didn't go for a run today, right? We can also tap, we can also have awareness. So that's one level of awareness is at the observation of behavior, and the other level of awareness or type of awareness is awareness of our feelings right? Our actual emotional intelligence about how am I actually feeling in this moment? Am I frustrated? Am I annoyed? Am I happy? Right? Because feelings at their, at their most basic, right? Feelings are just flags. They're just things that say, you know, they're, they're wired into us. They're a type of intelligence that points in the direction of needs being met or unmet. Right? And so, usually like, so the positive emotions, you know, when I feel joy, when I feel happy, when I feel satisfaction with something, it's because I've got a need that's going met in my life. And when I feel anger, frustration, sadness, I've got a need that isn't being met. And so that's the point of awareness is to just name it, right? Just name whatever's happening in your life, whether it's an emotional response to something or whether it's an observation of things you do or don't do, right? But the goal here is not to judge that as good or bad right? And we often get into that trap, right? Where we'll start to, to judge ourselves for the things we're doing or not doing. So that's the first step. First step is awareness of those two things in particular. Uh, the next step is once we've gotten that awareness is the a practice of alignment, right? And this is where we get to ask ourselves, is this thing that I'm noticing, is this thing that is now in my awareness, is that congruent or incongruent? Is that aligned or misaligned with what I care about? Right. And for me, the easiest thing for me to hold on to in that type of conversation with myself is my values. Right. And the clearer we are about our values and what they look like in practice in our life and what they mean to us and how we've articulated them, the clearer we are about that, the easier it is to then take our emotion or take our observation of our behavior and align it and say, yeah, no, this is, this is misaligned actually with something I care about. And that's why I'm feeling this tension, right? Or it is aligned and that's why I want to, I should do more of it, right? So the alignment process is to like, first of all, we have to identify what our values are. And I think that this is where I've experienced the most tension in my life is when I'm not super clear about what my values are. 
right? And I think that everything's important and I start to, you know, I, I care about everything. Um, we can't do that. We have to be able to focus in a little bit tighter and say, actually, I care about these three things more than anything else. And so for me, it's three things and it's, it's purpose, right? And very specifically purpose around helping people and helping organizations change for the better, right? To not be stuck. And that's rooted in my history as an addiction service provider, working in addictions and mental health for about a dozen years. Um, and just the things that generally draw my purpose and my passion are helping organizations get unstuck right? Because life is too short for us to be stuck, whether it's at work or at home. And so, you know, it's, this is really, you know, purposeful for me, this conversation, because it's connected very tightly to that first core value that I have, which is a purpose driver, right? And then the second driver that I have or value that I have in my life is family, right? And it's, that's pretty easy to say, but you know, everyone's going to say they value their family. But for me, it's, I've actually narrowed it down to being present and engaged with my wife and children, right? So presence and engagement, right? Focus, presence, not just, you know, because we can use our values to justify lots of behavior. But when we narrow it down and say, I value family, and this is what it looks like, it has to be present with them and engaged in the activities. Well, suddenly I can't be, you know, on my smartphone at the park when my kids are playing and call that alignment with my values, call that behavior aligned, because it's clearly not focused and present with them and engaged in what they're doing, right? So naming the value and then identifying the behaviors, right? Or the qualities of that value is a really important step, okay? My third value is fitness, So purpose, family, fitness, those three, if I, like those occupy 95% of my available bandwidth on any given day. And so if I'm acting incongruently with those, I tend to suffer, right? I tend to get stuck in something, in a behavior or in my own head. Okay. So those are the first two. So awareness, again, of observations and feelings, right? And not to judge them as good or bad, just this is what's so, right? To take those and stack them up against our values and hopefully a well-articulated set of values, right? Not just things that you've kind of plucked out of the air, but things that actually are really meaningful to you, right? That you've spent some reflection and consideration time on, right? Are they aligned or misaligned, right? Because if if we are aligned, if our feelings and observations are aligned with our values, then the action we're going to take is more of the same, right? We're going to do more of that thing, right? If it's misaligned, that's where we might choose to do something else. And so that leads us to the third A in the model. So we have awareness, alignment. The next one is action, right? And this is actually what I notice most in myself and in in other people that I work with is we often jump, we often skip the alignment step and we'll go from awareness to action too quickly. Right. And I mean, this is classic for anybody who has uh, made us like a decision after they looked in the mirror one morning, after they get out of the shower and they see the extra 10 pounds they put on in COVID and they look at it like, ah, screw this, I'm going for a run. And they throw their shoes on and they go for a run. Um, but then a two weeks go by before they look at themselves again. And they're like, oh, I meant to keep running, right? We jumped to action too quickly. And this is kind of classic New Year's resolution territory where we've been thinking about something. We've had this low level suffering, this observation or this feeling that something's just not quite right. And so we make some really big audacious goal to be in the gym every morning at 6am or to quit our job and start a business or to, you know, travel the world, we make some big plans, um, and they're too big, and maybe not perfectly aligned with our values. And so we actually don't follow through on them. And so the key to really good positive um, forward momentum is small, concrete, positive action steps 
in the right direction, right? And so, you know, you don't commit to running a marathon, you commit to like getting your shoes on and getting out the front door every day, right? That's how we start to make positive momentum and positive action, right? And making sure that those action steps are really clearly connected again, back to the value, right? And making sure that that's our value and the thing that we really care about. Okay. So action and, you know, the, a great way to test an action is it, if it sticks, right? And so if it doesn't stick, generally speaking, it means that the, the plan has failed, right? The plan has failed us. No, we haven't failed the plan. So it's a little bit of a reframe, right? The action step was too big or it wasn't quite aligned or we didn't have the right resources for it. And we need to go looking for the resources or we maybe just don't enjoy it. You know, there's lots of ways that I can get my physical fitness needs met. And, you know, full disclosure, my wife bought me some yoga classes a few years ago, I think for Christmas or my birthday. Um, and I did like an introductory yoga class and it didn't stick. I'm not a yoga guy. Um, doesn't mean I don't value mindfulness and I don't value, you know, stretching and flexibility and, you know, core training and those types of things, but I just wasn't very good at it. It wasn't enjoyable. Um, I much prefer to put on a pair of runners and go for a run outside uh, like on a trail by the river. That's much more enjoyable to me. Um, or even just put leash up the dogs and go take them for a walk and have a few, you know, mindfulness breaks along the way. Um, so I get those needs met just in ways that are more connected um, to who I am and what, where my strengths live. Okay. So action, you know, let's be flexible with the strategy, be flexible with your actions and be really tightly connected to the value that you've got going back to that alignment step when we're really, really clear about what that looks like, then the action that falls out from that makes a lot more sense and is more likely to, to stick. Okay. The last part of the model, and again, probably one that we miss the most. And so from my observations of my own behavior and other people that I work with and over the years in addictions treatment is we'll often go from awareness of a problem to action and we'll just cycle between awareness and action right? We'll take, we'll stay in that kind of those two pieces of the model and we'll forget alignment and for, we'll forget this last one, which is, you know, probably as critical, um, which is accountability, right? Building into our system, our behavior change system, some type of accountability so that we, because let's face it, motivation is one of those things that's pretty fickle. My motivation fluctuates day to day. It's Monday night, quarter to nine. I am not getting my runners on and going for a run after I do this show, you know, even though I didn't go for a run earlier in the day. Um, but if I told you that I was going to do that, if I said, hey guys, I'm going to put my runners on and go for a run, I would, right? Because I've made that public. And so that's one type of accountability. So that I think of the three Ps when I think of accountability. Um, we can find a partner, an accountability partner. And I have accountability partners in a couple of different areas in my life. And I act as an accountability partner for others. That's essentially what a coach is um, for people who hire a life coach or a business coach or, you know, a coach for a sports team. It's to hold you accountable to the things that are going to make you successful in that domain. Right. And so a partner is a great way to build in some accountability. Right. Here's a recommendation. Don't make it a significant other. Don't make it somebody who's going to let you off the hook. Okay. So they need to be somebody who's going to hold fairly firm to their role as an accountability partner, but they're going to hold it kind of, they're going to hold it uh, carefully and they're going to hold you accountable compassionately. And so uh, you probably know Vince Fowler. He's been on the show before. He's acted as an accountability partner for me on some fitness things and myself for him the same, you know, a quick text in the morning. Hey, I'm at the gym, right? That goes a long way. 
to sticking to a routine, um, not wanting to let somebody else down. We'll often let ourselves down sometimes um, before we'll let somebody else down. So partner up with somebody to, uh, to build in some accountability. Another great way to get accountable for a behavior change or a thing you want to do is to make it public, right? And so full disclosure, this live show is a way for me to be accountable to producing a podcast every week. And by making it public and by scheduling it and by having guests on the show, it, it makes sure that it gets done and, and I enjoy it. So that's helpful. But what happened for me is that you know, I started with a bang back about a year ago and I was recording podcasts, but I wasn't doing them live. I was doing them whenever I could schedule them and whenever a guest was available. And then I would spend some time editing them and it was just an audio version. So there was no video and it wasn't live. And when the pandemic hit, that just didn't stick right? That my world got turned upside down a little bit and the podcast went down the list of things that were important, um, but I missed it. So the observation was, you know, I stopped doing the podcast and that was misaligned with what I wanted to be doing um, for myself in the world and for my business. And so, um, so that was out of alignment. And so the action, I had to choose a new action. Um, and so I chose to do a live show and that by making it public has been really, really helpful for holding me accountable to continuing to produce the show and doing it more frequently. Right? So that's the, the public piece. And then the personal, you know, I said earlier that we can let ourselves down the most, but we're also hardest on ourselves or harder on ourselves than a lot of people will be. Um, and so to, for personal accountability, it's really connected back to those values that we hold, but maybe even a little bit deeper than that. It's connected to our identity about who we see ourselves to be in the world. And an example of this in my life is that I was diagnosed with diabetes about 10 years ago, uh, type one adult onset insulin dependent diabetes, which means uh, essentially my pancreas stopped working um, in my late twenties. And as a result of that, so that's, you know, a new observation, lots of feelings attached to that misaligned with my vision of myself as a healthy person. And so I had to take new action. And one of those actions was just finding ways to be more active in day-to-day -day life. And at the time I was working at an office building that had an elevator that would get us up to the second or third floor where our offices were. And one day I decided uh, that I'm going to be the type of person who takes the stairs. And just that identity switch that went off for me as identifying as the type of person who behaves this way. I don't think I took the elevator after that. So years later, I still, when I see an elevator and a set of stairs, I'm the type of person who takes the stairs and I reliably take the stairs. I've been in a few elevators, let's face it, in that time, especially when you're trying to get to the 30th floor or something and you're late for a meeting, you'll probably hop into the elevator. But that identity piece, that personal accountability to who we want to be in the world is really powerful, right? Are, are you the type of person who behaves in this way? Because if you identify that way, that'll be the deepest layer of accountability. That'll be the most accountable you'll ever be is to uh, who you want to be in the world. And again, that's connected back to our values and runs a little bit deeper into our identity and who we want to be um, in the world. So that's it for the show tonight. That's the four A's of making behavior change. I'll run through them again quickly. And then if you have any questions, I'm happy to stay on the line for a little bit. And so don't hesitate to drop a question into a comment box. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, uh, wherever you're having to watching from tonight, I'm happy to 
chat a little bit about uh, behavior change or anything else that you might be curious about other shows that you've listened to uh, or things that you want might want to me to chat about tonight. Uh, but the four A's of making change is what we were talking about tonight. And again, I'll run through them really quickly just to round things out. So the first A is awareness. And that is awareness of two things, our observations, right? Our behavior, the things we do and don't do, and our feelings, our emotions, um, our frustration or our joy, right? Because those indicate um, alignment with something, with our needs or our values. And that's the second A is once we have that awareness, having that tough conversation with ourselves, And it is a tough conversation sometimes, especially when we're misaligned, right? When we realize that actually we have been on our phone at the park, at the playground with our kids, and we haven't been present and engaged with them and that we are misaligned, right? Having that conversation is really important, right? And then once we do have that conversation, then we can step into taking small, positive, very concrete steps to get back into alignment. And so for me, over the summer, when we were at the park a lot with the kids, I would just leave my phone at home uh, because the reality is, is that anybody who needed to get a hold of me was right there on the playground with me. And I didn't need to be checking Facebook or LinkedIn or God knows what email I was, I was reading at the time. Right. So that's a small, positive, concrete step that got me back into alignment with that value of being present and engaged with my family. Okay. And so that's the, those are the types of actions that we want to take very small, very concrete. Right. And then the last one, the fourth a, and again, they're all important, but this one's pretty mission critical is some some level of accountability and i've offered you the three p's here tonight you can enlist a partner to help you with that and again i would suggest somebody who's an acquaintance or a friend who can act in a bit more of a coachy type role as opposed to a significant other who you might experience as nagging you to behave a certain way or they might choose not to hold you accountable as somebody else might just to preserve the relationship and to reduce the tension in the relationship i've noticed that um and public um, public accountability, making it public that you're going to do something, um, committing to something, putting it on a schedule, putting it out into the world is a really powerful way uh, to be accountable. And then, as I mentioned, the personal identity being the type of person who behaves in a certain way is a really powerful way to frame the behavior change that you want to make in the world. Um, so I've got uh, comment. Good show, Jeff. Thank you, um, Facebook user. Um, glad. I don't know if you're the same person who finally caught the show. If so, great. Glad you were able to catch it. And um, yeah, it's my pleasure. It's uh, it's a show that I've been wanting to do for a little while. It's a, a very useful framework, or it's been helpful for me in a lot of ways. And like I said, it's something that informs a lot of the coaching that I do and work with organizations because we can see how this works at the individual level. Um, but it's also just a set of principles, right? I'm not going to tell you... Um, how to make behavior change. I'm not going to tell you whether you should take your phone to the playground or not. It's not up to me to tell you that. I'm going to suggest that you cultivate a sense of awareness about your behavior and figure out if you want to change that, figure out if it's aligned or not. Um, now we've got somebody here says that their accountability is their most challenging A. And yeah, absolutely. I think it's a tricky one to, to get right. And I think that hopefully one of those three P's is going to be helpful for you. Um, partner's probably the easiest one. Public can be a little bit daunting. Um, it's a big commitment to put something out into the world and say, this is how I'm going to behave and this is the things I'm going to do and this is what's important to me. You know, that can be pretty overwhelming. Um, but partner is, is actually like, there's probably somebody in your life who also wants to make some change in their life. And, uh, you know, whether that's a friend or an acquaintance or a coworker, uh, and you can act as each other's support 
in that. And so you can partner up. Um, that's probably where I would suggest starting with accountability if it's something that uh, is a challenging thing for you. So um, yeah, so that's that's the show tonight. As always, I appreciate you listening in, whether you caught it live or you're watching this after the fact or you're listening to the audio version, which I put out every every week after the show. Um, and that's at jeffcoulard.com slash powerful. You can catch all of the past episodes. I think this is number 45. So we're coming up on 50 episodes here. Uh, so we'll have to do something special for the 50th episode, which should be right around New Year's. Um, and next week, we're actually, we've got a repeat guest who's going to come back and join the show. Um, her name is Kimberly McAdams. And she was actually the first guest on the the live show version, I think back in September when we first started. And I've been working with Kimberly on a few projects over the past several months, really since the pandemic started and we're going to be talking about something called a designed alliance which is basically a deeper dive into how to set expectations and roles and get super clear when two people come together whether that's in a relationship as a coach and somebody being coached or a consultant working with an organization or a leader working with their team we're going to talk about designing your alliance so that you have very deep and and very very concrete um roles and clarity, role clarity and expectations. It'll be a great conversation. Uh, we'll dig into some of the, the work that we've done to design our own alliance as well as some of the work that we've been doing with clients uh, over the last little while. So again, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, if, if you need anything from me, you know where to find me on Facebook or you can uh, you can catch me every Monday night at 8.30 on the live show. So thank you so much for watching and have a wonderful week. <laughs>